The American Petroleum Institute, driving safety, environmental protection, and sustainability across the natural gas and oil industry through world-class standards and safety programs. Since its formation as a standard-setting organization in 1919, API has developed more than 800 standards to enhance industry operations worldwide. Find out more at api.org. Welcome to the Energy Fellows Podcast, where each episode is designed to share expertise and experiences from U.S. and global energy fellows. They provide direction and possible solutions for ultimate journey results. Here's your host, Mark Stansberry. Welcome to another episode of the Energy Fellows Podcast. I'm Mark Stansbury, your host. Today, we have with us a special uh, individual uh, for Oklahoma and for not only Oklahoma, but for our regions through Texas, all the way through our country, the nation. And his uh, perspectives he's, he gives is uh, not only from Oklahoma, but federally, but today and internationally. But today we're going to focus on uh, in Oklahoma. Before I do introduce uh, our special guest, who's been on here several times, and we won't be going over his bio so much this time as we have in the past, uh, go to past episodes for that. But just want to mention, uh, we really appreciate those that have uh, have gone to uh, pick up their book or monograph, that is, of America Needs, America's Energy and Its Natural Resources, along with the original book, 2012, America Needs, America's Energy, Creating Together the People's Energy Plan. You can pick those uh, books up, monograph up uh, at uh, Barnes & Noble or Amazon. And so uh, let me know what you think. Get, give me some of your input. would love to hear from you. Also, a uh, column uh, that I have uh, for the last, uh, going on 10 years, uh, with, is Oil Man Magazine. And uh, the publisher, Emmanuel Sullivan, also has a magazine, Energies Magazine, and Oil Woman Magazine. I've had articles in both of those as well, but I've been a uh, contributing editor to Oil Man for uh, going on 10 years. And I uh, want to thank OGGN and the family for, uh, OGGN family for all they do and what they're trying to do and educate uh, all of us and all of you about energy throughout the nation and internationally as well. Today we have with us David, a guest, great friend. He's with Guest Petroleum. He's a great friend to our industry. And welcome, David. Well, good day to you, Mark. Uh, pleasure to be on with you. Well, it's an honor always to be with you. And I really think there's so much to cover on a federal level and international level. But right now, uh, we need to really focus on Oklahoma. <laughs> That's what we're going to do today anyway, because it's great to have uh, David, because he he's not only is he a member of organizations, he's an active uh, director or or officer or whatever from many years for different organizations. And so he can give a, a true perspective, both on the ground and behind the scenes as well. And so I know there's five, six issues that we want to cover today. And so we'll get started. And because, uh, again, if you have not uh, heard about David, you should. And go to past episodes to uh, learn about David, a guest. And he's also been on one of my uh, podcast, National Energy Talk. So you you have no excuse not to hear about his bio and his background, <laughs> so he's got a great one. But we'll start today with Oklahoma Perspective. Uh, tell us about uh, that, what that means and, and where we're heading today. Well, Mark, thank you for the opportunity to uh, bring a uh, Oklahoma industry update. As an Oklahoma native, I appreciate uh, 
every opportunity to uh, speak about the energy industry within uh, our wonderful state. Currently, our rig count's running about 40, plus or minus one, in the last week or two. But uh, big news is it was about 65 rigs a year ago, so that's about a 40% decrease. So, you know, some people would be a little concerned about that, but I did have a, a, a geologist in one of the groups I belong to, a lady who with 30 years of experience, uh, kind of explained the lower rig count to us, and she indicated indicated the first half of the year exploration companies spend their drilling budgets. Then the last half of the year, they sit back and evaluate the results and then determine kind of where to spend their financial budget remaining monies at the end of the year. So, no, the drop in the recount may not be as a uh, indicator as what it uh, appears to be strictly on the numbers. But uh, speaking of numbers, the high activity, of course, is the Cana Woodford area and the scoop and the stack and then out in the uh, out west in the uh, Cherokee zones. I think they report everything's reported on a basin basis rather than mm-hmm. a uh, zone or formation play. And that, right. that once again that comes from the geologists is uh, reporting on a on a basin by basin basis. But mm-hmm. currently we have about nine rigs running in Canadian County, four in Kingfisher County five in Grady County, five in Stevens County. Then out west, uh, looks like we have about two in Dewey County and five in Ellis County. Again, kind of chasing those Cherokee zones out west. It's interesting to note that that uh, the rigs that are drilling today, the ratio is five to one. So there's five rigs to every one rig. That The five rigs are drilling for oil or liquids to every one drilling rig that's looking for the the gas or the dry gas. So, you know, oil is now king again over natural gas Mm -hmm. due to commodity prices. You know, it's, I kind of chuckle to myself. I can remember the late Aubrey McClendon uh, drilling for uh, natural gas and, uh, you know, even changing the uh, Chesapeake logo from blue to green. Right. Then, uh, you know, they kind of switched back to liquids. They were chasing those NGL liquids. And here we are now chasing the, uh, the uh, good old oil hydrocarbon molecule again. <laughs> kind, of, kind of a big circle. We started in crude oil back in the teens and the 20s, and uh, here we are again in the 2020s, 100 years later. It's amazing. And, but uh, despite the lower rig count, Oklahoma is open for business for all, all energy is uh, kind of the report on the, the big picture. And I'll move on to uh, some of the... Uh, Group activity, uh, nonprofits in the energy uh, Mm -hmm. sector. The Oklahoma chapter of the National Association of Royalty Royalty Owners, which we we can call OK NARO. And Mm -hmm. it's been a pleasure. I think that's where we first met, Mark. That's right. OK NARO. How long long ago has that been? I was trying to. I I was afraid you were going to ask that. And I want to say. (laughs) A long time ago. (laughs) Between 25 and maybe 30 years ago. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> time, time flies, doesn't it? Oh, my goodness, yes. But yeah, uh, we've, had, we've seen the history of, a lot of history made during that time frame. Uh, and, and how many years have you been in the business again? Um, I asked you that before, but. About uh, pushing 40 years since I've bought my first okay. mineral right tract. My goodness, 40 uh, years ago. But uh, I was just going to report, Oklahoma NARO just finished its annual conference earlier this summer. 
It was held at the Museum Hotel in Oklahoma City, which is the former Fred Jones Ford engine remanufacturing plant in yes. downtown Oklahoma City. I guess it's actually the west uh, end of Film Row, which I'm sure you're very mm-hmm. familiar with. And yes. Beautiful hotel facility and highly recommended. Attendance was about 120 members of uh, NARO from uh, about nine states. Interesting fact that uh, two-thirds of the members of Oklahoma NARO reside outside the state of Oklahoma. And therefore, Oklahoma has many absentee mineral owners. Mm -hmm. And with the absentee mineral owners, Oklahoma NARO serves serves as a vital, important source of information to mineral and royalty owners. You know, reporting on leasing activity, drilling activity, like I just uh, previously mentioned, then also on production issues and specific issues at the state capitol, and also at the Oklahoma Corporation Commission, which does directly affect the mineral owners. So, David, how how do uh, you know there's royalty owners uh, that are not probably familiar, especially younger royalty owners through the years that have inherited or purchased acreage or acquired it in different ways. How do they get involved with OK Neighbor or the National Association of Royalty Owners as well? Uh, I know there's interest I hear about it, but uh, don't know uh, a lot of times what, what to say to them and other than look it up, you know, maybe that's the best way is uh, their website. But you can tell us a little bit more about the involvement they can be part of. Absolutely. And uh, thank you for that opportunity, Mark. Let me give you the, the websites real quick. And the, the national NARO website is NARO, and that website is naro-us.org. Once again, naro-us.org. And there is an Oklahoma chapter on that national website. However, uh, Oklahoma NARO does have a Facebook page that is called Oklahoma-NARO. And you're asking about ways to become involved. I'll say, uh, okay, NARO has begun, begun a schedule of town halls going to all four quadrants of the state, trying to make mm-hmm. one per qu- one quadrant per quarter. And recently, we uh, had a town hall in Ada, Oklahoma, which incidentally is where NARO began in 1980 yes. under, under the leadership of Jim and Sandra Stafford. So, I remember uh, both of them well, yes. Yeah kind of like a return to home for me. And we had a nice little gathering there. And uh, so we gave an update on leasing activity and uh, the drilling activity. And I think it was uh, well-received there in, in Ada. We had one person come in from Fort Worth, actually, is also. But uh, to get involved, like I said, I would recommend checking out the website and the Facebook page for Oklahoma NARO. Uh, there's a phone number there for the national office in Tulsa. And they can reach out, and uh, if there's any specific questions or if they have a problem, they can uh, call the office and uh, be directed to one of the state officers, and we can maybe try and answer that question or at least uh, direct people to the proper place to get a uh, an answer to any question they might have. Um, I might talk, touch on some of the current issues and that are being addressed by the Oklahoma NARO. Yes, please. You know, you know some very, very current issues. Number one is... Uh, Bitcoin mining from stranded gas, you know, mm. we're talking about oil and gas leasing and clauses to put in on, you know, exhibit A's. And, you know, we're talking about uh, Bitcoin mining, doing one of those uh, 
on the Exhibit A, having some language to address Bitcoin mining and how the royalty owner will be paid for the use of that natural gas winner, though those uh, computers, you know, they use the stranded gas, run a, a, a natural gas generator to power the computers, and then the computers generate the Bitcoin. So that, you know, technically that's a use of the ga- natural gas, and so the royalty owner should get a share of that. So that's a, a very current issue. Then another hot topic is uh, produced water and solution minerals, such as lithium. And that's kind of in contrast uh, versus the frack water, which is has less salinity and is recyclable. So in Oklahoma, the surface water issue belongs to the surface owner, but uh, the uh, produced water from within the uh, minerals under the ground belong to the mineral owner. Mm-hmm. So those are some current issues and... Those were being, like I said, very current, and we're trying to address those and maybe develop some language for oil and gas leases to use for for going forward to address these new and current issues that we didn't even hear about, you know, say five, even ten years ago. So that's right. We you know Nero and Oklahoma Nero is trying to stay relevant. You know, you're talking about uh, people inheriting minerals from maybe a parent or grandparent. You know, that's what we call fractionalization of the mineral rights and uh, just kind of keeps being divided on down and divided on down. And we to try and uh, make recommendations, you know, do a family limited partnership and to try to prevent that continued fractionalization. So that's an issue that uh, we've always headed to the forefront as well. But I encourage anyone that's inherited mineral rights or bought mineral rights to reach out to uh, either the uh, national office in Tulsa or uh, on the Facebook page for uh, Oklahoma Nero and try and get involved. I, that, uh, if I can give a quick example, uh, if a person has a, uh, I think the, the basic Nero membership's $150 a year. So if you have $1,000 a year in uh, oil and gas royalty income based on federal depletion rates for uh, income taxes, you have a depletion rate of uh, deduction of 15%. So that's $150 on a $1,000 annual income. So that pays for your NARO membership right there, your your depletion <laughs> right. deduction. So NARO is free of cost at that point. How about that? That's wonderful. Uh, I would like to mention the NARO National Convention is uh, upcoming here in October. It's going to be October 17th through the 20th down in New Orleans. I'll be at the Royal Sinesta Hotel down on Bourbon Street. So it'll be a great time. It sounds I'm, like I'm, yes, <laughs> it, it, it should be. It should be. And when do, when's the cutoff for registration for that? Because uh, I would think uh, you know online registration is probably uh, September 30th or October 1st, and then after that they would probably take walk-ins at uh, sure. Sure. Uh, a dis- I've been seeing emails coming from the national office to me for a discounted registration even as uh, late as yesterday. So once you hit Excellent. that uh, October 1st, I'm sure you're going to be paying that uh, the original base rate. Uh, any speakers lined up or I guess it's underway? I'm sorry, Mark. I don't have that information. Uh, sure. In I'm sure me. the offers are out. I'm sure I'm the done. offers are out. Well, I was going to ask you back on uh, the quarterly meetings. You've, you said the first one was in ADA or at yeah. least one of the meetings. Was, where, where are the others scheduled or are they scheduled yet? The next one uh, looking to uh, have in Tulsa and probably be in uh, late January, early February. 
I think we're going to go counterclockwise on a clock. Starting in the southeast, going to the northeast for the second meeting, then probably going to the northwest, year-old stomping territory for the uh, third meeting out toward Enid or maybe Elk City, then drop down to uh, maybe uh, Duncan, somewhere down in that area for that fourth town hall. I love that idea. I love town meetings. They're they're a great way to get – you know, people involved and you don't have to be a member evidently to, to, to attend these quarterly meetings. Correct. Okay. Uh, we have typically have a sponsor that, uh, like in Ada, we had a sponsor pay for a, uh, we had box, uh, sandwiches in there for a light, uh, dinner and, uh, with chips and a cookie that uh, came out of a baker from Wewoka. Oh, wonderful. They're in Seminole County, so some hometown food. But, uh, yes, it's uh, generally no cost for you to walk in and just get some basic information about the leasing and drilling activity. And we'll tell you about the organization and how we can provide you more information and uh, how to properly manage and account uh, for your mineral rights and your royalty income. And they have $150 from 1000 or more to use for the depletion side of it, so... Got a good membership there. I think people ought to listen to that and uh, become involved. So I'm, I'm real excited about what you're doing uh, around the state and uh, through OK NARO as well as NARO. And uh, and there are also other chapters, I should say chapters, uh, ways to join if you're in other states uh, as well. So you can become a local local involvement, not only OK NARO, but other states as well. But today we're, put, we're uh, focusing on Oklahoma. And uh, how outside, you, you mentioned there's some outside uh, state members, two-thirds, I, said, I think you said officers or whatever, they're from outside the state. So, you know, we think of Texas and other states that there's a lot of uh, royalty interest owners um, that have uh, properties here in Oklahoma. And uh, so definitely get plugged in with, uh, with the organization. And uh, please continue, David, on OK NARO and NARO. Well, I'll say there's a, the other state chapters include there's a Texas chapter, Texas NARO. They have a Facebook page as well. They're also on the national website. There's a Louisiana state chapter. We have a uh, Rockies chapter that kind of includes uh, the northern part of New Mexico and Colorado and Utah. We have a North Dakota chapter and a Pennsylvania chapter. I think the West Virginia chapter has kind of joined in with Pennsylvania there's an Ohio chapter, so, and a California chapter. Uh, Mr. Ed Hazard out there in California is, uh, you know, battling the uh, the uh, legislative landscape out there, political landscape out on the uh, West Coast, which is what I think California is the uh, third largest state of oil production. I don't think people mm. realize that. But, no, uh, that's right. It's a, it's a large producer and. Kind of as a follow-up on the Oklahoma NARO, I, when I said two-thirds of our membership that are on our mailing list reside outside the state of Oklahoma, we have a number of Oklahoma NARO members that reside in California. And I attribute that to uh, families that made the uh, trip to California back in the Dust Bowl days. But uh, that's my, my supposition. Members, gotcha, members. Well, that's wonderful. And uh, again, OK NARO and NARO is something that uh, – you can become involved with. You can participate in these uh, quarterly meetings if you're not a member. And I got a feeling you probably would want to become a member if uh, if you attend, because uh, I really enjoy the family of, of NARO. It's uh, been a wonderful organization. I was a member for many years, and um, 
it sounds like I need to step back in, uh, at least with a, a membership. So I better do that or I'll be in trouble. I haven't done that in a quite, quite a while. I think prior to COVID, uh, I had some involvement. But uh, I do keep in touch and have given speeches for many years, presentations uh, across the U.S. for NARO, or at NARO, I should say. At, uh, I mean, my goodness, you, you, you've gotten around, Dave, because you've been at every one of these, I think, you know, from – Little Rock to Tulsa, Oklahoma City, uh, I Las remember Vegas, speaking, you know, Albuquerque. Speaking yeah. Albuquerque, absolutely. I loved Albuquerque. I love that one. Uh, yeah, all these uh, and uh, Las Vegas. I mentioned uh, uh, across the U.S. and uh, I love the the people and the organization. It's it truly becomes a family once you get involved, and uh, so uh, you're challenging us, making sure that we stay involved in things like that. You have some other interest in organizations if you'll tell me uh, tell us uh, more about those as well because you've got uh, some strong interest in I think OEPA for example uh, you've been greatly involved with OEPA which you might explain what that is yes sir thank you Mark I'll kind of switch gears and go from being the uh, mineral and royalty owner to the other side of the uh, coin to the operator side right and uh, the OEPA, which is the Oklahoma Energy Producers Alliance, is the organization. And OEPA is the only state oil and gas association that specifically promotes and protects the rights of vertical oil and gas well producers in Oklahoma. We are typically multi-generational family-owned companies, and we advocate at the Oklahoma legislature and at the Corporation Commission. And we strive to bring a voice to the small oil and gas business owners at the Capitol and at the Corporation Commission. And I've been fortunate to serve. I think uh, we've been formed over five years and uh, been uh, fortunate enough to be on that board and serve as a volunteer legislative uh, chairman. I think that's because by default I'm the closest one by living in the Oklahoma City metro area. So I have the shortest drive. <laughs> I understand, I understand, but I got a feeling that your uh, work ethics right there too. You do a lot of behind the scenes, and I know when you get assigned a job, it's not just uh, taking the title. And uh, I appreciate that as well. Absolutely. Well, we do have a couple of events coming up uh, in- immediately in the very near future. Is a lunch and learn down in Duncan. In fact, it's uh, Wednesday, September sixth, eleven a.m. at uh, the Scratch Kitchen off of Country Club Drive there on the east side of Duncan. It's mm-hmm. an educational event. Uh, Jonathan Beheimer from Rose Rock Environmental Services will speak about methane emissions testing, and that's a current hot topic on the producer's side. Yes, it is. But the lunch is free, and you're free to attend. just need to pre-register, and that can be done at okenergyproducers.org. So we'd love to have people have any questions or concerns about uh, that. That's uh, this methane emissions testing is a federal mandate coming down from Washington D.C. So it's going to be uh, a big cost and a uh, situation for all producers, but it'll be uh, especially a burden on the small independent uh, producers here in the state of Oklahoma. No question. Yes. But, uh, then uh, another event coming up in uh, the end of September is our annual golf tournament. And this year we are having a poker evening. And incidentally, this will be at the uh, Hard Rock Hotel Casino in Tulsa. So that uh, that 
poker event will be Sunday, September 24th, 6 p.m. there at the Hard Rock. Then the next morning is the golf tournament. And the good thing about the, the golf tournament is that we have several state legislators that attend, you know, usually 10 to 12 local legislators. Mm-hmm. And the big thing about the golfing, uh, personally, I'm not a golf person. But I know a lot of people enjoy the golf and uh, the course there at the Hard Rock in Tulsa, I think is a Perry Maxwell designed course. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I just enjoy being on the golf cart, talking with people and letting them golf. But uh, I know our, our good friend, uh, you know, uh, State Representative uh, Anthony Moore out of Clinton. Yes. Spoke, spoke with him a week or so ago, and he will not be able to attend this year past couple of years he's always attended the golf tournament and the uh, the dinner before and it's always good to socialize and brings an environment to where citizens and constituents can speak to their uh, state legislator or their state senator in a you know an informal and a social environment uh, no pressure and uh, just ask questions and pass along concerns. And that's one of the benefits of uh, these organizations is socializing. And like I said, the big thing for us is the golf tournament and having these state legislators attend. In fact, Terry, uh, representative Terry O'Donnell lives a mile and a half or two miles just up the street from the hard rock. Uh, His district is there, the Catoosa (laughs) area and uh, representative O'Donnell and I, Grew up on the same block in Tulsa. We're in Boy Scouts oh together. And, uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, just small world after all. It is. It's wonderful. And, uh, you you know, folks that are interested in either organization, you mentioned, uh, whether it's OK Nero, Nero, and also uh, OEPA. I mentioned about family. You feel like that once you become a member. And, and also the interaction, uh, you know, if you have an issue when it comes to royalties or uh, operations or whatever it might be. Uh, you can always reach out, and everyone's willing. I've never found anybody that wasn't willing to at least discuss or pass along somebody's uh, concept to someone else or whatever it might be, uh, very willing to help. And uh, that makes these two organizations, and I'm, I'm summarizing NARO as OK NARO and other NARO organizations, along with OEPA, uh, you're in good hands when you become part of those organizations. So uh, I'm, I hope that if you're thinking about joining, you will. And uh, or renew and become more active, and it really helps strengthen our position in the state. And uh, with doing that, you become stronger as a state nationally as well. So, uh, you know, you you take all this. Uh, I mean, we could expand on all, you know both NARO as well as OEPA, but you've got upcoming uh, event coming uh, in Oklahoma. That's a big deal, Oklahoma Oil and Gas Expo. And uh, that kind of ties in with royalty owners. I mean, it's it's uh, definitely service and operators, you name it, that there. You might tell more. I think over 3,000 or so usually attend. But anyway, uh, you're involved with that too, David. Thank you for all you do. Yes, I'm not uh, – I've kind of backed away from the, the, the source sustaining Oklahoma Energy Resources, which right. is under the uh, OERB. I'm uh, – uh, backed away from that and uh, developed my time. There's only so much time for volunteerism, uh, and you're very aware of that, aren't you, Mark? <laughs> I, I definitely am. <laughs> <laughs> so, but definitely uh, you are, for sure. So, yes. But um, as you uh, mentioned, uh, going forward as we leave September with the uh, golf tournament and the poker evening, then in uh, October under SOAR, 
which again stands for Sustaining Oklahoma Energy Resources, and which is part of the OERB umbrella. The SOAR Oil and Gas Trade Expo will be on Wednesday, October 12th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. And of course, that'll be at the Oklahoma City or Oklahoma County State Fairgrounds. They're at Reno and May Avenue or I-40 in May. Right. And this uh, 2023 Oklahoma Oil and Gas Expo will be the 26th year for the Trade Expo. Talking about uh, time flies. I think you were at the very first Yes. So, and uh, dirt floors, if I remember. Dirt floor <laughs> down at uh, Norman, the Cleveland County Fairgrounds. Yes, sir. We've come a long way to be. Uh, it's going to be at the Bennett Event Center, which is a uh, huge new. I think this is only the third year for the facility to be open. It's a beautiful facility, great for uh, the trade expo because you can get heavy equipment in there for the exhibits as well. You now, there was a frack truck inside last year that uh, I was concerned that they might overload the uh, the weight of the concrete in the building. They said, no, they inquired, and it was approved. So, Wow. Oh, that, that's, that's excellent. But, uh, that is. Uh, kind of testing it, a, but that's good. <laughs> that's yes. <right. laughs> there will be. It, it's free to attend. You need to pre-register, though, at uh, SOAR, which is S-O-E-R dot O-E-R-B dot com. Mm-hmm. Once again, pre-register at SOAR dot oerb.com free to attend free lunch there is a barbecue competition again this year that oh, started great. last year i think they're limiting it to five or six teams so i spoke to one of the gentlemen with a crude oil company recently and he said yeah they they bought a new uh, cooker and they're uh, they got a test run i think here in september to try it out then they'll be ready <laughs> for the trade expo and again that'll be wednesday october 12th at the Bennett Event Center at the Oklahoma County Fairgrounds beginning at 9 a.m. And as you mentioned about, I think they had 2,800 attendees last year. So, good, Great attendance, no question. And, absolutely. Uh, and the spirit was there, my goodness. Uh, you know, 25th anniversary, the barbecue, and uh, not not costly at all when you just go online. So uh, it's it's worth the visit. And you, you'll come out with a smile on your face for sure. It's, it's worth, the, uh, worth the effort to go out and see fellow oil and gas folks. And uh, it's wonderful. Um, last time you were on and uh, we were talking about uh, universities and technology schools and things like that. But we cut it short because of the time. But I'd like you to expand the, uh, the opportunities because I get asked this uh, more than ever. Uh, the last several weeks, especially, uh, folks are thinking about entering you know, either the oil and gas sector, energy sector. Uh, they don't know what to do. Uh, they asked, uh, I know one person that years ago asked about being a landman and then went into a different area, recently asked again, how to become a, how to become a landman. Uh, there's, there's ways to approach that as well as the technology side. If you will expand on what uh, those that are looking and, and those that it's not, doesn't mean just young people. There are those that are of all ages. They're looking at uh, getting into the industry possibly, but don't know really where to begin and uh, the opportunities they have. David. Well, Mark, again, I want to thank you for the opportunity to speak about Oklahoma career tech. As I've told you before, I'm a big advocate for our, I still kind of call it Votech, but it's, you know, it, it's called career tech. 
right. these days. And that's uh, very dear to uh, my heart. I think it's an excellent program. And as I've mentioned before, Oklahoma has the number one career tech system in the United States. And just some quick uh, statistics. For the fiscal year 2022, there was 400, 446,940 students enrolled in career oh, tech throughout the state. So large almost, number, yeah. almost a half a million enrollments in 2022. There's over 29 technical centers on 60 campuses. There's 17 skill centers on campuses. And uh, the career tech system is in 391 school districts from pre-K up to grade 12. So it's very diverse in all, in all four corners of the state. And you mentioned about it's just not for high school students. Like I said, they can be trained earlier than high school or it's involved. Like I said, there's training programs for uh, the different uh, skill sets for teachers and nursing programs that start out with the pre-K students and exposure, like I said, exposure from pre-K to uh, grade 12 in the school systems, but you're talking about adult retraining. Mm -hmm. When we talk about this half a million career tech enrollments, that amounts to one in nine adults are attending or enrolled in some type of a career tech or that's one class, you know, a mm-hmm. first aid or a CPR class, or that's a full, you know, two semester training program. Right. I found that astounding. One in nine adults, and I'm considering the uh, high school students, adults, those juniors and seniors that are in career tech, one out of every nine adults in the state of Oklahoma is attending or has direct contact with the career tech system. And I think that's excellent. That's amazing. Yes. And there, no there's no way I can give you a complete list of the programs <laughs> if we'd be here no, I, for the rest I, of the day. But you're it's, right, it's, because I'll get I'll get in the mail, you know, they'll they'll send a brochure and I'm going, My goodness, where do they find all the instructors? You know, it's <laughs> besides the students, you know. So yeah, it's like, it's wonderful to have. No question about it. I was know. I remember I was asked, uh, I was eighteen years old, just turning eighteen. I was in high school. And they put they were putting together a twenty member task force on expanding Votech, you know, talking about Votech in Oklahoma, and I didn't know really much about it. But they picked a, a, a boy and a girl for high school, and then others from across the state. I learned a lot, and I thought, well, this sounds really great. I didn't go that area; I went to college, but uh, I was so interested through the years because of that task force. And how it's developed, unbelievable. And again, like you call it, call it today, career tech. But uh, back in those days, it was Votech getting underway. And uh, it's it's one of the best, if not the best in the, wor- in the, in the world, I would say, United States for sure. Um, well, I say thank you, Mark, for your uh, volunteerism and service as a uh, state regent, one of our local at, uh, universities. Well, that was I enjoyed that. You know, the regional, yeah, regional university system, Oklahoma. That that was a really delight, uh, and uh, started in two thousand one or so. And I love students, and whether it's tech, through the tech schools or uh, career tech schools or uh, universities, whatever. That's our future, and our future generations depend on us. And so that's why I appreciate you, David, as well, because you're always looking out for the future. And talking about today is talking about the future, because. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's just very vital. 
You've been listening to David A. Guest of Guest Petroleum. Great friend, like I said, to not only myself and Nancy, and but to uh, all of us in the energy industry for all the things he's done. If you will, rate and review. Go to rate and review in, in the show notes and uh, give us uh, your opinion of, of what we're doing right. And at the same time, give suggestions of upcoming speakers and subjects you'd like to hear about as well. The future of energy depends on us. It depends on all of us. Thank you for listening to the Energy Fellows Podcast. I'm Mark Stansberry, your host. Thank you. Join us again next week on the Energy Fellows Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. To learn more, go to OGGN.com. 